looking at this passage tonight, studying the Word of God like we normally do on a Wednesday night. And Lord, I pray that you'd bless the time we have together. I pray you'd help me to say the things, Father, that you would have me to say. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come upon me, Lord, that you would uh, help me to be able to be a blessing to these dear people, to minister to them as we study your Word. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Matthew chapter number 2, and even though this is a Christmas service and we're kind of dealing with a Christmas theme, we're not really doing anything special tonight because on Wednesday night we normally go verse by verse, chapter by chapter through a book of the New Testament. We've been studying, if we remember a few weeks back, we started a study in the book of Matthew. So we're actually just going through our normal study verse by verse through Matthew. Now last week we took a break to make sure we were in Matthew chapter 2 this week, so for this Christmas week, but this is actually the normal schedule of where we should be on a Wednesday night, and we're here to study the Word of God, so we're just going to go verse by verse uh, through the passage tonight like we normally do, but this is the Christmas, now you got to understand this, and I don't have an issue with people saying this, this is what's known the Christ, as the Christmas story, although as we get into it, you'll realize that it's not really the Christmas story. There are two passages that deal with the birth of Jesus Christ in the, in the New Testament, and that's Matthew chapter number 2 and Luke chapter number 2. We dealt with Luke chapter 2 on Sunday morning uh, for our Christmas sermon and Matthew 2 tonight for our Bible study. But if you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, alright? So we got the birth of Christ. In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. Alright? Now if you remember when we were in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at a few things in Luke back and forth, but if you remember in Luke chapter 2, we dealt with the shepherds. Remember that? Uh, the, the, the heavenly host appeared to the shepherds. Here in, in Matthew chapter 2, we're primarily going to deal with the wise men. Now it says here, verse 1, uh, In the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So I want you to understand this, alright? Verse 1 is the Christmas time frame, Okay? Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and when Jesus was born, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Verse 2, saying, now I I want you to understand this, okay, before we move on from verse 1. The Bible says they are wise men from the east, you see that? Okay, I want you to notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say they're kings, it doesn't say they're from the Orient, alright, it doesn't say that there's three of them. Verse 2, saying, notice what they said, where is he, or he that is born, king of the Jews? Remember when we started our study in the book of Matthew? We talked about what? The book of Matthew is written to prove, not just to the Jews, but to all of mankind, that Jesus Christ is, number one, the Messiah, and number two, the rightful king of Israel and of the whole world, to be honest with you. And here you find that emphasized again. They, they, they come, these wise men, uh, asking, where is he that is born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now they came to find the king of the Jews. And like I said, remember, this is the, the purpose of the book of Matthew, verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Now you got to understand this, okay? You've got a king. His name is Herod. And now you've got these wise men showing up saying, we, we've come to worship the king of the Jews. There can only be one king. Do you understand that? And when there's only one, you know, you've got two kings... And there can only be one king, you're going to have problems. I want you to notice this, verse 3. When Herod the king, Herod's the bad guy, Herod's the villain in the story. When Herod the king had heard these things, notice what it says. He was troubled. 
You see that? You see the word trouble? Has anybody ever said this? I'm having some car troubles. I'm having some marriage troubles. I'm having some trouble with my kids. You know what the word trouble means? It means something is not working or is not doing the things that I normally want it to do. Does that make sense? I, I want things to go, I want my vehicle to work a certain way. And when it doesn't work that way, then I, I, I call that having trouble with my vehicle. I want my children to act a certain way. And when they don't act that way, then I have trouble with that vehicle. And here you find Jesus Christ showing up on the scene. The Messiah. The King. The one that's been prophesied for thousands of years that He was going to come. And when He comes, the Bible says, verse 3, When Herod the King had heard these things, he was troubled. You know what Herod was saying? Herod was saying, this is going to change things. It's not going to be the way that I want it to be. It's not going to be the way that I normally want it. But notice, it's not that disturbing that Herod, the king, would be troubled. But you know what is disturbing? Look at the last part of verse 3. And all Jerusalem with him. Herod was not the only one troubled. All Jerusalem was troubled. See, they they understood this thing. They they understood this. And and as we get through the passage, you'll realize that these people are very well versed in Scripture. They know what it means that the Messiah is coming. They know what it means that the King of the Jews is coming. And when He shows up, they are troubled, they are bothered, because here's the thing, they knew when Jesus showed up, things were going to change. They knew when Jesus showed up, things were going to be different. They they did not want anybody messing up their ordinary lives. They wanted business as usual. And I'm here to tell you, it's exactly the same way today as it was 2,000 years ago. You know how most people respond when you talk to them about Jesus? They're troubled. Because people don't want their lives changed. Go, uh, keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 2. Go to Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. You've got to understand this. Matthew chapter 2 teaches us a lot about how people react to Jesus Christ. And how most people react to Jesus Christ is this way. They are troubled. Matthew chapter 7. Are you there in verse 13? Look what the Bible says. And this, of course, is Jesus Christ speaking. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. The Bible says, Enter ye in at the straight gate. Now notice, you see the word straight there? S-T-R... A-I-T, okay? It's not G-H-T, it's just I-T. That word straight means narrow, okay? It says, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad, you notice how he's, he's, he's making the, 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 the correlation there, or he's letting us know. One is straight, okay? The opposite is wide, broad. He says, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Notice what it says. And many, you see that word many there? Many there be which go thereat. Now look at verse 14. Because straight is the gate... And narrow, you see the Bible is describing itself, being its own dictionary. Narrow is a way which leadeth unto life. Notice what it says. And few there be that find it. The Bible is very clear. Most of this world is going down the path of destruction because broad is the way. Uh, 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 you know, the Bible says there broad is the way. It says it's wide. It says many. And it says the, the people that are going to life. It says it's straight. It says it's narrow. It says it's few. You've got to understand this. You know, this is why you, you, you say, well, I, I don't get a lot of, you know, I, I talk to people about Jesus or I try to talk to them about the Bible or I try to talk to them about church and I'm not getting a lot of good responses. Here's why. you got to understand this. Most people are troubled at the thought of Jesus Christ. Most people are troubled at the thought of 
that's why the Bible says, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Many there be that find it. But narrow is the way. And few there be that find it. Go to John chapter number 3. John chapter number 3. John 3. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Fourth gospel. John chapter number 3. Look at verse number 19. John 3, 19. Most people don't want to be bothered with the Savior. John chapter number 3, verse 19. The Bible says, And this is the condemnation. That light is coming to the world. That's Jesus Christ. By the way, that's Christmas. That light is coming to the world. But here's the problem. Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. You say, well, well why, are, why, why do most people not respond to Jesus Christ? Here's why most people don't respond to Jesus Christ. Men love darkness rather than light. Jesus is the light. They don't want to come to Him. It was the same thing when He was born. It's the same thing today. When they heard of the Messiah, when they heard of Jesus, it wasn't just Herod and all Jerusalem. Go back to Matthew chapter 2. That's what we're studying tonight. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. Look what it says again. Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and he wasn't the only one troubled. All Jerusalem with him. And here's what you understand. There was more people troubled at the birth of Christ than there were people excited about the birth of Christ. Read it in Matthew chapter 2, look at verse 4. And when he had gathered, now he is Herod, had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, those are the religious leaders, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Alright, so, so he hears that the Messiah is born, he hears that the king, the, the wise men show up, and, and they say, we're here to find the king of the Jews. He gathers the priests, the chief priests, the scribes, he gathers them together, he asks the question, where Christ should be born? Now notice, here's what's interesting about this passage, verse 5. They said unto him, you notice verse 5? In Bethlehem of Judea. Notice, they know exactly where Jesus, where it was prophesied that the Christ should be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, verse 6 is a prophecy, it's a quote from the Old Testament, and thou Bethlehem and the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Now keep your finger there in Matthew chapter 2. And this is Bible study night, right? So we're supposed to study the Bible. Go, go to Micah, Micah chapter number 2. Micah chapter number 2. Towards the end of your Old Testament, you got those minor prophets there. Micah chapter 2, you can turn there if you want to see it. You can just write it down if you're taking notes. But Matthew chapter number 2 and verse 6 is a quote from Micah chapter number 2 verse 6. Now do you remember when we started the study in Matthew? We told you, you're going to see a lot of fulfilled prophecies in Matthew. And they get, we get a lot of quotes from the Old Testament. Now this ought to be exciting to you. Micah chapter number 5 and verse 2. Micah 5 2. The Bible says, but thou, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, if you're taking notes, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, now notice what it says here, from everlasting. Do you see that? Amen. That is a prophecy in the book of Micah, that out of Bethlehem, was going to come a governor, was going to come a leader, and he wasn't just any governor, he wasn't just any leader, he was from old, from everlasting. Now, uh, you know, write this down for those of you who like, like to write notes. If you compare that, and I don't have time to go through this, so I just, I'll just give you this, you can study this on your own. You compare Micah 5.2 in your King James Bible to like the NIV or a new translation, they've changed that verse from everlasting to from ancient. 
Okay, from ancients, not really. I mean, from calling, saying that there's going to come a, 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 a leader, a, a governor out of Bethlehem, and he's going to be old. Okay, that's not really impressive. <laughs> that, there's nothing abnormal about that. But saying that he's from everlasting, that makes him deity. Do you understand that? That makes him God in the flesh. Okay, Micah 5 2, so you can write that for your notes there. And, and, and I want you to see there, Micah 2 6, or I'm sorry, Matthew 2 6 is a completion of Micah 5 2. You say, why is that important? Here's why that's important. Micah was literally written hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. And yet, in the birth of Christ, you find fulfilled prophecy from the Old Testament. And it's not just Micah. We'll see a few of them just in Matthew chapter 2. But they're all throughout the Bible. Uh, Go back to Matthew chapter 2, look at verse 7. Matthew chapter 2, verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privately... The word means privately. I know, the King James Bible is so, so hard to understand, right? Privately means privately. Okay? Called the wise men... Now notice what it says inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Now I want you to notice this, alright? Because we're going to get back to it. The question, Herod brings the wise men. So you've you got to follow the story. The wise men show up in the town. They said, we're here to find the king of Israel. We're here to worship the king of Israel. We saw a star in the east. We've been following him. Herod hears about the king. He thinks, wait a minute, I'm the king. And if there's another king, we got a problem here. I'm getting troubled here. So he gets the scribes, the religious leaders, he says, hey, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? They said, well, we know from Micah that the prophecy says he's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. So then Herod brings in privately the wise men. Now notice the last part of verse 7. Inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. So here's the question. How long has this star that you're following, how long has it been since you've been following it? Are you following what I'm saying? you got to understand that. He's asking, inquire diligently, what time the star appeared? Because they said, we're following the star. So he's saying, well, when did you start following the star? That's a very important question. Verse 8. And when he sent them to Bethlehem, and said, now notice what he says, Herod. Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, right. Here's my question, Herod. If you're so interested in worshiping Christ, why don't you go with them? You're so interested in worshiping the Messiah. I mean, doesn't Herod have more resources than these three men that have been traveling? Doesn't Herod have... No, he has a whole military force at his disposal. Wouldn't he be able to find the Messiah quicker than these three men? He says, go, go. And when you find him, come tell me because I want to worship him. You know, everybody wants to worship Christ, you know, with their mouths. But it's very few of those who actually go and try to find him. But verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where, I want you to make note of this, if you like to take notes of the Bible, I don't know this phrase, the young child was, okay? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up your, your nativity scene right now, alright? You know, some of you, you at home, you've got this, you're real proud of it. you got this nativity scene, and you feel all spiritual. I'm not, I'm not here to pick on you, but I'm, I am here to, to, to teach you the Bible. you got this nativity scene, we've all seen it, right? you got the, the, the stable, you've got the manger, you've got baby Jesus, you've got Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got the shepherds, and you've got the three wise men, right? Now that makes for a nice Christmas card, but here's the problem with it. It's not scriptural. That did not happen. 
the wise men were not at the birth of Jesus Christ. Say, prove it to me, alright? Are you there in Matthew chapter 2? Look at verse 9, okay? Look at verse 9 again. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the... Now, I want you to notice this. What do they call Jesus? Where the young... What's that word? Child. Let's say that, let's say that phrase together. Young child was. Keep your finger there in Matthew 2. Go to Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2. Okay, keep your finger in Matthew 2, Luke 2. We're going to be looking back and forth. Luke chapter 2, look at verse 16. Luke chapter 2, look at verse 16, okay? What does Matthew call Jesus? A young child. Alright? Luke chapter 2, verse 16. Luke chapter 2, verse 16. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke. Second, uh, third gospel in the, in the New Testament, two books out. Luke chapter 2, verse 16. Now, what does Luke call them? They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the... What's that next word say? Babe. Do you see that? And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the what? Babe. Lying in a what? Manger. Alright, so you've got the babe, Jesus, lying in a manger, okay? Luke chapter 2. You say, what's a manger? It's, it's, it's a, a, a trough, I think is what you call it. You know, like a wooden open box where you would put feed for livestock. Remember, there was no room in the inn. They weren't able to find a, a room, so Jesus was born in a stable. And what Mary and Joseph did was they took the, 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 the place where they fed the animals, they took the, the, the food out of there, and they put some blankets in there, and they laid Jesus in a manger. The baby, the shepherds showed up, according to Luke 2, they found a babe lying in a manger. Alright? Go back to Matthew chapter 2. Look at verse number 10. Matthew chapter 2. Verse number 10. Well, look at verse 9 again. Just look at the last phrase of verse 9. The young child was... Okay, verse 10. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the manger. Is that what it says? When they were come into the stable. Is that what it says? When they were come into the what? What's that say? House. Okay? Are you following what I'm saying? And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child, not a babe, with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's what you got to understand, okay? Now let's just, uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to come back and, and, and do some of these. Well, I'm going to come back and do some of these, but, but, but I want you to, I, I want to just prove this point right now. This is a Bible study, so it's good for you to study the Bible, alright? Matthew 2, look at verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they part into their own country another way, alright? So here you got the wise men, okay? They find the what? Young child in a what? House. They, wor- they give him the gifts, they worship him, they're warned of God to not go back to Herod. God says, hey, don't go back to Herod, he doesn't want to worship him, Okay? Now look at verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. So, as soon as the wise men leave, the angel Lord comes to Joseph and says, Hey, take Jesus and go into Egypt. Alright? They are in Israel at this point. He says, Go into Egypt, be thou there until I bring the, uh, uh, until I bring, uh, I'm sorry, good night. I bring thee word for Herod will seek the, what's it say again? Young child to destroy him. 
Verse 14. When he arose, he took the, what's it say? Young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. We're going to deal with that in a second, but I want you to see this. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, because remember, the wise men were supposed to come back and tell Herod, we found the Messiah, right? But God told them, don't go. So they went back home another way. When Herod saw, verse 16, I want you to follow this, that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth. I mean, this guy was mad. Now notice what he does. He's mad because the wise men were supposed to tell him where Jesus was so that he could come and kill Jesus. Do you understand that? Now he's mad because he doesn't know where Jesus is, but he does know one thing. What does he know? He knows how long the wise men have been following the star, right? Do you remember that? Look, look, look back at verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star had appeared, right? He knows how long they've been following the wise men. So he doesn't know where Jesus is, but he knows how long they've been following the star. Verse 16. Then Herod, when he uh, saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wrath and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coasts thereof from how old? Two years old and under. You see that? How long have the wise men been following the star? Two years. See, the wise men started following the star the day Jesus was born. But it took them two years to get to Jesus. They've been traveling two years. And when they get to Jerusalem, they said, we're here to worship the, uh, uh, the, the king of the Jews. And Herod says, how long have you been following the star? Oh, two years. Okay, so he's about two years old right now? Yeah, yeah, we're looking for a two-year-old Messiah. Well, you come back and you let me know where he's at. And when they don't come back, Herod gets this idea. Well, I just killed every two-year-old and under. Now, you got to understand this. When the wise men show up, he is a two-year-old... What do they call a two-year-old? A babe or an infant. A two-year-old is a toddler, a young child. Okay? He's not in a manger. He's not at the stable. He's in a house. I'm just here to tell you, the wise, the wise men were not at the nativity. Now, you say, well, why are I just went to the Christian bookstore, and I bought this whole little nativity. It's a Charlie Brown nativity scene. And, and, and it's got the wise men there. I know. But it's not Bible. And see, here, here's, what, here's what the Bible will do to you. It'll trouble you. It'll mess you up. You begin reading the Bible. You begin to actually study the Bible. You begin to actually know what the Bible says. You begin to actually study the Word. It'll, it, everything. You say, everything I've been told. You, you know... We three kings of Orient are... Look, I like that song, but nowhere in the Bible doesn't say there was three kings. So where, 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 where do we get that? Well, they brought him three gifts. Gold, frankincense, smirk. So people assume there was three kings. But the Bible doesn't tell us that. There could have been 30 kings that brought him three gifts. There could have been 10 kings that each brought them those three gifts. We don't know that. I'm just here to tell you, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't tell us they were Oriental. Okay? The Bible tells us they came from the East. Well, that, that, I mean, that's real vague. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Bible, you know, people say, well, they were astrologers because they were following a star. That, I mean, the Bible doesn't say that. And we need to get back to the Word of God. Amen. Say, so, well, does it really matter? It matters if the Bible says that it matters. If the Word of God says that it matters. You say, well, I'm not mad at you if you have an activity. I'm just trying to explain to you. We're studying Matthew chapter 2, are we not? Well, that's what Matthew chapter 2 says. These men had been following the star for two years. They found the young child in a house. And
and because of their testimony, every two-year-old in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas was killed. But Jesus was spared. Why? Because the angel of the Lord told Joseph, take your child, take Jesus into Egypt. Okay? Now, I don't want to deal a lot with this, but, but I want you to just to, to imagine this, okay? Do you remember... Good night, I'm, I'm going to forget. My mind's going to blink now. But do you remember, what was it, a year ago or two years ago, that massacre where that insane guy walked into a school and killed all those kids? Okay, what was that called? What was it called? Yuba City? No, no, not Yuba City. Oh, I'm sure it happened now. Sandy Hook, do you remember that? Okay, how long do you think it's going to take for people to forget Sandy Hook? I mean, every year people are going to be, celeb- you know, not celebrating, but mourning Sandy Hook. I mean, that was a great tragedy. All these kids died. Okay, imagine this. Every kid, two years old and younger, in a, in a city in the surrounding areas was put to death. I mean, do you think people easily forgot that? Do you think there was a memorial, you know, a year later, two years later, three years later? Now think about this, okay? 30 years from then, here shows up something that people in that area don't see a lot. A 30-year-old guy. Why don't they see him a lot? Why don't they see a lot of 30-year-old guys? Because all his, all the people his age were put to death 28 years ago. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. You know, because we get into the Gospels and immediately Christ has huge following. I mean, thousands of people following him. And you've got to understand, all these things play a part in that. I mean, here you got, you know, the, everyone's going to remember. Remember when Herod went off the deep end and killed all the two-year-olds? And now, that, that, how long ago was that? Tw- about 28 years ago? Yeah, everybody was two years old and older. Uh, about 20 years ago. And then here shows up this guy, 30 years later. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God will take away the sins of the world. And people are looking at him and thinking, Well, these are about the right age. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to put more into Scripture. I'm just trying to let you know. All of this is part of that culture. A lot of death is associated with the birth of Jesus Christ. Go back to Matthew chapter 2, look at verse 12. Let me, let me deal with this real quickly. Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. Well, look at verse... Ah, good night. Look at verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And he arose and took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled. Okay, so here's another fulfilled prophecy. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Now, you don't have to go there. If you want to real quickly, go to Hosea chapter 11. Hosea chapter 11 verse 1 because here you have a fulfilled prophecy. Alright? What is that cross-reference? Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. For those of you that want it, you can write it down. Hosea 11, 1 says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. Alright? A reference to the fact that obviously the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt. Remember? God sent Moses to bring the people out of Egypt. And then he alluded to that and said, I'm going to bring my son out of Egypt. And that's a reference to Jesus. The fact that he went into Egypt and then he had to be called out of Egypt. Now, I had somebody ask me, take, take your Bibles, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, real quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I had somebody ask me once, they, they said, what, what, what is that about? Why, why did it have to be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son? Okay? Now here's what you got, and I don't have time to develop this, you can study this out on your own. But do a word study on the word Egypt in the Bible. And you will find that Egypt in the Bible always represents the world. 
You're, every time you read Egypt in the Bible, they're going down into Egypt. They're going into bondage. People are getting in trouble in Egypt. Okay? They have to be delivered from Egypt. It's the house of bondage. It's the furnace of bondage. I mean, it, it, it's a negative. It, 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 Egypt represents the world. Okay? Now, here's the thing. Jesus, physically, baby, you know, two-year-old Jesus, goes to Egypt, and God had to call him out of Egypt to picture for you and I. Here's what you understand. God is always calling his children out of Egypt. And by the way, God, Jesus, was born and brought a salvation. You see, Egypt represents the world. Some of you are sitting here today and you, and you struggled with bondage. You've been in bondage. You say, I've never been a physical slave. You've been a slave to alcohol. You've been a slave to drugs. You've been a slave to your job. You've been a slave to, 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 to lust, to fornication. Hey, you, you've been in bondage in the world. And you got to say this. When God calls you, He not only saves you, but He calls you out of that bondage. And even Jesus. Now, we know that Jesus is without sin. But even Jesus had to get called out of Egypt. That's a picture for the rest of us. Are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 6? Look at verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what? Now here, are you a believer? The Bible says be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why? For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? Can you unite light and darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Belial is the devil. Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temples of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Verse 17. Wherefore. Now notice. The word wherefore means because of this. He says, I will be their God. They will be my people. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. I will be their God. They're going to be my people. And he says, wherefore? He says, because of this, come out from among them and be ye separate. Saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. Every time somebody looks at me, my wife, my kids, our lights out, and they say, you guys are weird. You guys are peculiar. You guys are odd. I mean, you're not like the rest of us. I I say, praise God. Amen. 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 Because he's called us to be a holy nation, a peculiar people. He's called us to be, look, we are in the world, but we should not be of the world. And see, even Jesus had to be called out of Egypt. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Verse 18, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Go back to Matthew chapter 2, look at verse 16. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under. Why? According to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Do you see that? So the wise men had been, they said, hey, we've been following the star for two years. He was born two years ago. Okay, so the wise men were not at the birth of Jesus. Verse 17. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. Here's another prophecy saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. If you want it, the cross-reference, Jeremiah 31.15. You don't have to turn there, let me read it for you. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refused to be comforted, for her children because they were not. Could you imagine that? I mean, could you imagine one woman 
who had a two-year-old baby, child, or below, taken from that mother and killed? Could you imagine? I mean, what words could you say? What could you do to comfort? You could not comfort that mother. Now imagine that same situation in an entire city and the surrounding areas. This was the context of the birth of Christ. There was a lot of death surrounding the birth of Christ, and there's a reason for that. Look at verse 19. Matthew 2, 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, and the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go hither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, he shall be called a Nazarene. Now, I don't have time to develop this. I dealt with this when we were doing our study in Judges. Remember we are doing judges on Sunday nights and we talked about Samson. Okay? The Bible says that Jesus was a Nazarene, not a Nazarite. And I don't have time to deal with that. You can study that on your own. A Nazarite is a vow. A Nazarene is a person from Nazareth. Okay? Two different things. you got to understand that because uh, there are some doctrinal issues there if, if, if you don't make those distinctions. Now, I do want you to see this, okay? This prophecy is often used by people to try to discredit Scripture. Because have you noticed how, like, as we've been going through the prophecies, I've given you a cross-reference for all of them? Did you notice that? You know, it's like, Micah said this, and then I showed you where Micah said that. Jeremiah said this, and I showed you where Jeremiah said that. This prophet said this, and you can find that. Okay, this prophecy, I'll be honest with you right now, there is no Scripture, as far as I can tell, or anyone I've ever talked to, there is no Scripture in the Old Testament to prove the prophecy. There's no cross-reference for it. That gives people a lot of issues. So some people like to say, well, he was not a Na- he was a Nazarite like Samson, and they'll try to give you that reference to judge. That's an incorrect reference. I mean, you study the, the vow of a Nazarite. Remember Samson? I mean, he couldn't drink of the vine. Do you remember that? Jesus drank of the vine. No, there were certain things he could he couldn't approach a dead person. Jesus approached dead people all the time and resurrected him. Jesus was not a Nazarite, okay? He was a Nazarene. They try to make the connection to try to explain away scripture. Let me tell you something. You do not need to explain away scripture. The word of God ought to be able to defend itself. I don't need to come up with lies to try to defend look, if I if I need to come up with lies to try to defend scripture, I, I'm wasting my time. You say, Well, what's the answer? The answer is in the verse. Look at Matthew two twenty three. And he came and dwelt in the city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. Now I want you to understand something, okay? Go back to Matthew chapter 1, look at verse 22. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22. Matthew 1, 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken. Make note of that word, spoken. Which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. Go, go down to Matthew chapter 2, look at verse 5. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 5. Matthew 2, 5. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is, what's that word say? Written. Do you see that? By the prophet. Okay. Go, go to uh, Matthew chapter 2, look at verse 15. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by prophet. Now here's what I understand. Sometimes in scripture, when we're given a reference back to a prophet, sometimes it tells us it was spoken by the prophet, sometimes it tells us it was written by a prophet. Did you catch that? Now here's the thing, we know all of it was spoken because holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But here's what you understand. 
if the Bible says it was written by a prophet, then we better find that written prophecy. If the Bible says it was spoken by a prophet, then sometimes we're able to find that in Scripture. But here's the thing. If you can't find that in the Old Testament, it doesn't make Matthew wrong because it never said it was written if it was spoken. Does that make sense? So don't, don't try to make a connection with a vowel that doesn't exist to try to explain it with the Bible. All you got to do is study what the Bible says. It says what it says, it means what it means. If it says written, then there needs to be a written. If it says spoken, then sometimes it's found, but sometimes it's not, and it's not our place of judgment. Verse, uh, let's see. Verse 17. Then it was fulfilled that which was spoken of Jeremy the prophet, saying. Matthew 2.17. Now, I want you to... Uh, I, I want to just give you in, in conclusion, just real quickly, I've got, I've got about 10 minutes. I got, we're doing good on time. All right. I want to give you in conclusion just a few things to think about just as we conclude Matthew chapter 2. It's Bible study night, so we've got to give you a few notes and things to study. Okay. Let me give you some concluding thoughts about Mary. Concluding thoughts about Mary. Go back to Matthew 2, look at verse 11. Matthew 2, verse 11. Some concluding thoughts about Mary. Matthew 2, verse 11. And when they came into the house, these are the wise men, they saw a young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped her. Is that what it says? No. No. Did they worship Mary? No, they did not. Who did they worship? Jesus. They worshipped him. Jesus, right? And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him, Jesus, gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Alright? Some like to teach that Mary is more important than she actually was in Scripture. You've got to understand this. Mary was a godly woman used of God. But that's all she was. A godly woman used of God. She was not the mother of God. God does not have a mother. God is everlasting. God, she, she gave birth to the physical body of Jesus. I know it's a little more theology than maybe some of you are wanting to think about. She gave birth to the physical body of Jesus, but she's not the... If, if God has a mother, then He's not God. Do you understand that? Amen. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Okay? Without mother, without father, without descent. Okay? When the wise men showed up, they worshipped Jesus. Now, now here's what you guys say. Go, go to Luke chapter 1. We can do this quickly and you can get to your pie. Alright? Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 39. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. I, I like the chocolate pie. That goes in the refrigerator anyway, so it, it doesn't bother me how long we go. You know what I mean? It's already cold. Alright? But if we want to do it quickly, we can, we can do this. Luke chapter 1. Okay? Verse 39. I want you to see something about Mary. Now, Mary's a great character in the Bible. I'm not here to be little Mary. But we are not to put Mary on a pedestal that she does not need to be given to. Okay? Now, I want you to see something about Mary. Luke one thirty nine. Remember Mary? She was told that she would bring the Messiah. Luke one thirty nine. And Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into the city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Remember, Mary and Elizabeth are pregnant at the same time. Elizabeth will give birth to John the Baptist. Mary will give birth to Jesus. John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins. Verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth
Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist leaps in the womb of Mary when Mary shows up with Jesus in her womb, verse 42. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, and as we said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy, uh, of thy womb, verse 43. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believeth, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Okay, so she's just, you know, giving all these compliments to Mary. Now notice what Mary says, verse 46. And Mary said, notice what she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in, notice what it says, God my Savior. Amen. Do you realize that Mary needed a Savior just like you and I need a Savior? Yes, Mary was a sinner just like you and I. Now, she was a godly woman, greatly used of God. But she needed a Savior just like you and I. Mary is not someone to be worshipped. Mary is not someone for us to bow to. Mary is not someone for us to pray to. The Bible says there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Mary was a godly woman used of God, period. But she needed a Savior just like you and I. She was a sinner just like you and I. Now I want you to notice this. Go back to Matthew 2. Look at verse 11. Matthew 2, verse 11. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Matthew 2, verse 11. The Bible, the emphasis in Scripture is always on Jesus, not Mary. Okay? Look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Now, if, if I were just to point out, a, 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 if there's a woman crossing the street and she had a baby, okay? I, I would say, hey, look at that lady with her baby, right? Would I say, look at that baby with her lady? Does that make sense? No. When I say, look at that baby with her mother, that doesn't make sense. You say, look at that mother with her baby. Look at that woman caring for a baby. You wouldn't say, look at that baby who's being cared by her mother. That's not a, a, a normal way of saying it. But notice how Scripture always puts it. Matthew 2.11 And when they were coming to the house, they saw, notice, the young child with Mary his mother. you got to understand this. In the Bible, Jesus always comes first. The young child with Mary, his mother. Skip down to verse 13, Matthew 2.13. And when they had departed, behold, the angel Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother. Do you see that? Look, look at verse 14. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother. Do you see that? Look at verse 20. Saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother. Look at verse 21. And he arose and took the young child and his mother. You gotta understand this. The emphasis in the Bible is always Jesus, never Mary. It's the child and his mother. The child and Mary his mother. It's never Mary and Jesus. It's always Jesus. Because the emphasis of the Word of God is always always Jesus Christ. And the emphasis in our lives ought to be Jesus Christ. Amen. Those are some concluding thoughts on Mary. I was going to give you some concluding thoughts on Joseph, but let's skip that. Let me just give you some concluding thoughts on the wise men, alright? I want you to understand, okay? The Bible tells us they were wise men. We don't know anything else about them, other than they brought gold, myrrh, frankincense, which are obviously expensive gifts, so the guys must have had money. They were traveling for two years. They must have been able to have finances to be able to do that type of travel. Alright? That's all we know about them. We don't know that they're scientists, we don't know that they're astrologers, we don't know that they're oriental, we don't know anything else about them. So, but the Bible calls them wise. So here's the thing, here's what we do know about them. And here's what makes a wise person. Number one, look, look at Matthew 2, verse 1. Okay, we're, we're, we're done, I'm going to show you a few verses, we're done right here. Okay, Matthew 2, 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the day of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of, uh, to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? 
For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. What made these men wise? Number one, they responded to Christ when confronted by him. When it was revealed to them, and I don't understand, I'm not going to say a lot to you, I don't understand all that word, the star, I mean the star, they're following a star, it appears to them, I don't, I don't understand all that, I don't think anybody understands, we'll have to ask Jesus when we get to heaven, but here's the thing, when it was apparent to them that the Messiah was born, when they were confronted with the message of, of Jesus, they responded to it. What makes a wise person wise? When they respond to Jesus Christ. Number two, they traveled as far and as long as needed to find Christ. It took them two years to get there. They came from a long way, it took them two years. Here, I don't know what they did for jobs, I don't know what they kind of money, what kind of houses, what they traveled, but I know this, when they were confronted with Christ, they responded to it, and they traveled as long as it needed, they, as long as it took, they, they traveled, they took the time to find Christ. And number three, when they found Him, they gave Him their best. He gave him gold, frankincense, myrrh. You know why most of us are not wise? We want to give Jesus the leftovers. They, they took as long as it took to get there, and then they gave him the best they had. These were the wise men. You know what? Wise men still seek him. Now, let me just give you a thought about Jesus. At the birth of Christ, there was death all around him. We sang the song, Born to Die Upon Calvary. It's not about the manger, it's not about the wise men, it's not about the shepherds, it's not about the angels, it's not about the stars. It's about the fact that Jesus came to be born in order to die, be buried, and resurrected to pay for our sins. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know, you know, if you were to die today, do you know you'd go to heaven? If you say, I don't know, I don't know if I'm on my way to heaven. I'd like to go to heaven. I hope I'm going to heaven, but I don't know. Listen, don't leave here. Talk to me. Talk to my wife. Just come up, come up to somebody and say, Hey, I don't know if I'm on my way to heaven. We'd love to show you from the Bible because that's why Jesus came. Wouldn't it be horrible for you to be in church on Christmas Day celebrating the birth of Christ and walk through those doors not knowing that you're saved? You have a Savior? You can know for sure you're on your way to heaven. has nothing to do with what religion you are. has nothing to do with how good of a person you are. has nothing to do with, with, with the good things that you do in life. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ, period. Don't leave here without knowing that. He was born to die upon Calvary. Let's pray and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be able to just doing a verse-by-verse study through Matthew chapter 2, verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter through the book of Matthew. Lord, I pray you bless the time. Bless those that are here tonight as we learned about the birth of Jesus Christ and uh, subsequent years. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be challenged to realize that there's a lot of people that died because of Jesus. And yet we have the privilege to study Him freely. Help us to be in our Bibles. Help us to be praying. Lord, help us to be actively out trying to win souls. Father, I pray you'd bless the message, help everyone to have learned something, to be encouraged. In your precious name I pray. Amen.